Hello and welcome to the 162nd episode of The Sausage Factory, which is brought to you by Spom.com and hosted by me, Chris O'Regan. In this show, we interview video game developers and ask them how they made their start making games, what the limited are, and who inspires them. Split into two halves, show initially focuses on the developer themselves, and in the second half, we discuss the game in the Hid Remote, which in this case is Hypernova Escape from Hadea by Actologic. Simon, who are you and what do you do? So, hi. Uh, I'm Simon and I'm the CEO of Actologic. And beside the management stuff, I do also I also do some programming, which was a sort of my initial initial profession. And uh, beside that, I'm also a designated project manager and a game designer. So and probably like in most small companies, uh, I'm a person that must know how to do a lot of things. <laughs> A man of many hats. It's quite yeah. common on this show. We have people come on and say, I am all of the things. I even do the cleaning. Yeah. Even <laughs> even that. That's true. In fact, especially true. that. Especially that. Um, yeah. So, how did you make your start making video games? Ooh, well, uh, well, I, I started to learn about games a long, long time ago. Mm-hmm. I mean, not just playing games, but to really explore and experiment uh, with some sort of game programming then. Uh, this was already in the primary school and then in high school and college. Uh, but the very first contact with the proper game development was actually just a coincidence. Uh, so... Uh, uh, it was something uh, I, I always wanted to do, but uh, there were not uh, many possibilities uh, where uh, I live. And uh, I was actually lucky to meet some people at the right moment. Uh, I was working already in uh, an IT company as a programmer, and I managed to uh, well uh, to get my company outsourced. And we worked on an action game for PC. I think it was also for Xbox and PlayStation. Uh, but uh, my team was assigned uh, to the multiplayer level design and the actual creation and implement, later implementation of the battle arenas in, let's say, World War II tank simulator action game. Uh, the name actually is Panzer Elite Action if you know it, uh, and uh, we worked on a sequel called Shifting Dunes. So that was my first project in game development industry. Okay, did you, and it, I mean, what, what were you doing before then? So I like talking about what happened, you know, when you were a child or something like that. Did you, were you interested in it back then? I assume you were. Yeah, of course, of course. I mean, uh, from the uh, actually from the 80s when i got my first spectrum 48k so i still remember my first game jetpack i think it was called Hmm. and uh, from that day i mean from the day i got my first spectrum i i mean i played games since then do you um still have one yeah (laughs) <laughs> Still have the same one at home. Are you aware of the new Spectrum that's coming out late, uh, uh, later yeah, this year? Yeah, I, I heard about it, yeah. Like the Nintendos, the uh, the old small kits. And well, I heard also about the Spectrum. <laughs> yeah, something called the Spectrum Next, which is a, yeah, yeah, a, like yeah. An, a, like it's it's a, 
a strange beast. It's still a Spectrum, but the CPU's running four times faster than it than it normally was, and therefore, yeah. it, and it's got no color clash either. It doesn't feel like wait. <laughs> What? And it basically runs like a NES now, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's not the same thing. It's I mean, not, yeah, no. back in the days, Spectrum was something like Commodore, and mm. I think Atari was uh, popular in those days. Yes. Uh, we play games, uh, we played games with friends. Uh, we spent a lot of time playing games, and my parents were not so happy about it, but anyway, yeah. <laughs> so. Here we are today. So, did you start programming using that that spectrum? Then you were saying, as well as playing them. I mean, uh, I was intrigued about basic then, so I tried. Mm. I tried to move some squares on the screen uh, mm. to play with colors, uh, uh, maybe even produce uh, some squeaky sound. Right. Uh, but uh, nothing more at the time. Okay. So uh, I actually uh, come in contact with games uh, and the actual programming. Uh, for games in uh, pri- in the primary school. Oh, okay. Right. So we had some extracurricular activities, and I choose programming, and we actually started to do games, very simple games like Snake, Tetris, and things mm. like. That. Yeah, I remember. Um, similarly, I, I delved into games development, and it's uh, it's I think that the thing that the eureka moment for me was figuring out clash detection. <laughs> the simple well, act of you know what what does a computer do when two sprites or two things converge at the same point what happens yeah yeah, yeah. oh right but at the, the time we, we were young so we didn't care about these things so no 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 but it was the, basic turbo pascal <laughs> and just <laughs> like that okay. I, I learned visual basics uh, c++ c sharp i mean uh, many many years later yeah <laughs> so, yeah object-oriented programming. There it is, and then it becomes much more... A yeah. little bit more straightforward. It's still hard. Um, but it's always hard. It's always hard. Speaking of uh, difficult things, you obviously set out and founded um, Atologic, uh, I'm assuming, uh, from what you said, yeah. you were CEO. Yeah. So that's quite a brave move. And when did that happen? Just to bring us up to date, because obviously you were, I'm assuming you were working for another company when you were developing these tank games. Yeah, so like I said, we were outsourced by another game developer, and uh, after we finished that project, we did some other minor, minor ones, and in uh, this was in 2007, and right. in 2009, uh, we I founded uh, I founded Actologic with some former colleagues. Okay. Uh, that uh, one of them was actually the CTO uh, at the company we were outsourced. <laughs> So it's a small world. Yeah. Never burn any bridges. <laughs> um, well, and uh, when we started the company, we uh, set, I mean, we had a vision, a goal. So we, uh, we were dedicated uh, to the development of computer and video games. So at the time, nobody talked so much about mobile and all the other kinds of games. No. Uh, but so far, unfortunately, we managed to launch uh, games only for PC, Mac, and uh, Linux platform. But uh, but we are actually also a console developer. Okay. So we have mm, we are uh, registered Microsoft developer also with Sony, and uh, we have the dev kits, and we are really trying, working hard to bring uh, our game to consoles too. Excellent. I mean, it's an 
uh, a different place uh, 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 than consoles at the moment. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, their the architectures are now the same as PCs, whether we like it or not. They pretty much are. Uh, yeah, well, uh, PlayStation 3 was not, so that was a big problem. Uh, but with PlayStation 4 and Xbox One and now with new versions, everything is becoming much, much easier. Uh, also, yes. we are talking about, for example, Nintendo Switch. Yes, I, I think um, Hypernova would work extremely well on, yeah. on that platform. Ridiculously so, in my yeah, opinion. The, the design is, uh, is well-suited for a Nintendo Switch. And we are actually already talking with some publisher if we can do a mini-game out of it. So it's not a real-time strategy for Nintendo, but uh, something can can uh, come out of it. Hmm. In the future, yeah, I do have one. In fact, it's sitting right next to me now. And uh, yes, they're, they're, they're amazing machines uh, to yeah. have this portable, quite, quite full blown, powerful, full-blown console that's portable. It makes zero sense, but it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So that's full up to date. Let's talk to you. Talk a little bit about your influences then, and your how what gets your juices flowing as a, as a creator. What do you be, believe is your biggest influence? Well. Uh, I'm most influenced by games. So I, I listened to some of your previous, um, I mean, uh, uh, discussions. Okay. And uh, I realized that I don't even know names of people doing the games. I mean, I, I know companies. So, for example, uh, I know all the games from the 80s, 90s. I played like Prince of, per- uh, Prince of Persia, Alone in the Dark, uh, Another World. And, of course, my favorites back then, uh, Wolstein, uh, Doom, Quake, from ID Software. Yeah. And uh, so, so I, basically, I have games in my mind, not people or companies. I mean, I know the companies that did those games, and I admire, I admire and uh, uh, I, I study their work, and I try to learn as much as I can from what they do. So your so, biggest influences is other people's work. You're you're drawn to their to to the act the mere the pure act of game design itself. Yeah, that's what yeah. you're inspired by. That's what that's what influences you the most. Yeah, I'm inspired by the games. Right. Themselves. So, so any I, any particular ones you could think you could maybe link to Hypernova, apart from the obvious. I mean, obviously, if we made an RTS game. I like RTS games, so my favorite all-time games are the are the Common and Conquer series, for example, uh, Red Alert, and of course Dune. Mm-hmm. Dune was one one of my favorite games for many many years. Just to be clear, Dune two, not the first one. Not uh, that there's anything wrong with the first one. But actually, <laughs> also the first one. Oh, also I the mean, first one. Okay. Yeah, I mean, this was actually in 1992. So I was I was very young and I got my first PC I think then three eight six I don't remember and yeah fascinating I mean, game fascinating game the game was fascinating for me too yeah and then uh, it continued with Common and Conquer series but I I don't enjoy only these uh, military strategies I also loved uh, Settlers from Blue Byte. Mm-hmm. I mean, the first Settlers, the first, second, the third, from the 80s, 90s. I mean, I love Debbie games. I spent weeks, days, uh, months playing playing them. 
and of course then uh, Age of Empires uh, from Ensemble Studios it's quite interesting my- people really like Age of Empires 1 and 2 no mm. one talks about 3 <laughs> well, I like also 3 I mean yeah. uh, I mean uh, for example I, I don't like Civilization 5 for example okay I love Civilization 3 4 2 right. 1 I still play I mean the last time I played Civilization 3 was this year wow so I, I always like six. Th- six is pretty good. Uh, <laughs> no, sorry, no. I haven't tried yet. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I will. But I I came to five. I didn't like it so much, and then I returned to four, and so on. Okay. Uh, also, one one series that was really uh, something that uh, stayed in my mind for a long time is the Commandos series. If you oh, remember. Oh yes, with the Cone of Vision. And from uh, Pirate Studios, or yeah, so, God, yeah. that was Ma- tough. Commandos, and uh, actually, there was a, a similar game called uh, Desperados. Yep. Yeah. So yep. those yeah, two games. Those two games were awesome. Yeah, there were. There's also a Star Trek version, like Away Team. Did you ever play that one? No. Yeah, no. yeah, same kind of <laughs> design concept that you had an away team with loads of red yeah, shirts. Yeah. And they would, you know, and you'd have the same thing, of, you know. It should be fun. I, I mean, I love uh, sci-fi. Yeah. Series, so, yeah. and also they uh, did finally they did a remake of the game uh, this year. Uh, the one with uh, the Japanese story. Hmm. I forgot the name. Yeah. Doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, well, these are the kind of games I love to play, and I still love to play them. I mean, I don't play Dune anymore or Common and Conquer because they haven't aged well. <laughs> yeah, uh, these days I prefer to play StarCraft Two, for example. Okay. Or, what do you make of the remake of StarCraft by uh, Blizzard? The, the remake of the original. Well, I mean. I like the basic idea of the game. So it's mm. if it's a remake, a sequel, or when uh, they will make StarCraft 3, I will also play it because, I mean, I, I love the design. I, yeah. I love the depth of the game. And uh, sometimes it's, uh, these games can be really challenging. I mean, from the not only from the player's point uh, perspective, but also from the game designer point yep. of view. Yep. So I try to learn by playing other games too I mean I play them because I like them and uh, they have something that catches my eye or my mind and then I I get stuck with them and uh, I mean it's really really interesting to see uh, how the how the sequels of certain games develop and grow uh, I mean, some some of them grow enormously. So uh, some stagnate or go to places they shouldn't have gone to. <laughs> you know, like oh, this this bit was good. No, it wasn't. No one liked this. No, what are you doing? Oh God. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, yeah. Some things are going in the way that you don't expect it, but these are games for. So mm. games are designed for the current players. So. Mm. Uh, game designers always try to create a game that uh, will sell best in the current time so uh, 
uh, that will suit most of the players that currently play games. Uh, I've been thinking about this recently about how um, some franchises have not made the haven't made the translation from last generation to this generation. Talking about consoles specifically, but PCs mm-hmm. also apply. Mass Effect is a great example of that. Mass Effect was a you know a grand sort of champion of last generation of consoles, although mm-hmm. it were excellent on the PC as well. But now they you know for good or ill they try to bring it back and like no. <laughs> I mean, the game wasn't well, great, but there's also a general. I think there's the feeling of malaise, like, no, I don't think we want this. You know, this, well, yeah, I, I think I think some concepts are are, are too old to be uh, to be to become popular again or to mm. to be revived. Uh, that's why we, uh, I mean, game designers, uh, game developers, always try to find something new, something interesting that will drive the players to to, to play the game and. Uh, so also, sometimes the player expects something from a sequel or from a, uh, a sequel of an old game, and they have certain ex, uh, expectations. And if the developers uh, do not meet their expectation, then uh, this game is not uh, well accepted. Mm. So mm. It's a very tricky question: what to I mean, bring back and what new, uh, what to put, uh, uh, what's uh, something new in the game. Yeah, yeah. It's, it seems to like the, the Mass Effect games were of that era. They're like, okay, they were from the 2007 to 2013 <laughs> era, if you will. Like, okay, you did that thing. Great. Let's move on. let's do the next game something else you know they they have a lot of people creating games so they they must have new ideas and new concepts and I mean like uh, Call of Duty so (laughs) I I don't even know which uh, which number is now no (laughs) it's it's back in World War 2 now apparently so let's see how that goes Um, I'm actually quite mildly excited about it because the old, you know, the, the original World War Two or the original Call of Duty was, you know, it it, it showed a, an element of of how horrific that war, that conflict was. But yeah. bringing it modern day, yeah. using, that is know. something I liked, for example. Yeah, it, it was, was actually a brutal game, um, yeah. showing the 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 war as it was. Yes, as best they could. Whereas but they do then that, it just yeah. became a franchise. So yeah, just putting out every year, same content in a different package yeah it basically. became fifa in fact yeah <laughs> like there FIFA. are there are people who just buy fifa and call of duty every year um i can't imagine that but that's what <laughs> there are people out there who do that um so speaking of other games and developers and stuff who do you most admire in the industry and why i mean uh, speaking about uh, game developers mm. i mean Currently, I I really admire, for example, Naughty Dog. Okay. I mean, I love their work, and uh, I wish we could be at their level someday. Yes, I they mean, are. For me, for me, Uncharted is one of one of one of the one of the best games uh, out there, and they're really pushing uh, pushing the limits. They have. An incredible ability to draw the player into the world that they created using very interesting tricks. I've seen talks and I've been to talks that they've given 
about mm-hmm. how they get away with doing quick time events about them being annoying. Um, yeah, they put a lot of effort in this, and they really, uh, they really. I mean, they really integrate your behavior into the game. So you really, you really think that you are part of that flow. Yeah. And they're doing it quite nice. I mean, yeah. quite well. It's it's very very impressive, and uh, to see, um, you know, I remember there's one part. I think it's in two. Um, uh, in sorry, in oh god, I forgot Uncharted Two, uh, where you're fighting on a train, and the uh, you know the main character says, "Wow, this train's really long." <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they're self-aware. Like, yeah, we know this train's going on a bit, <laughs> so we're just going to put this line in just to make yeah, well, this train's really long. <laughs> it's just breaking that fourth wall. Just that subtle, very subtle. It really was lovely done, really well done, lovely done, really well yeah. done. So, I mean, yeah, they're doing things right, I think, and uh, we are trying to learn also from them, and we are studying what they do. Uh, not not only them, also for for Square Enix uh, from Tom Raider, for example. It's a similar game, for mm. example. I mean Tomb Raider 2013, let's say, for yes, example, yes. not not the last survival thingy. No. Uh, but the old Tomb Raiders are also an inspiration for, I mean, our future plans also. Excellent. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's lovely to to hear that that you, you doff your cap and go, "Yep, there's people. <laughs> they're doing great things. They should carry on doing those things." Um, I mean, a big yeah. surprise for me is seeing Gorilla. They went from making Killzone to the point where it started to eat itself to, <laughs> you know, Horizon Zero, you know, Zero Dawn. Like, oh, wow, what's this? You know, so it's, uh, it can be done. You can turn that boat around. Yeah, yeah. Well, we will try to, I mean, we always, we'll always try to improve ourselves, our work. So uh, we try to, every next game, we try to do it better. Right? Mm. And uh, I mean... We have to look at the best games on the market and see where this industry goes because we are not so big. Uh, we don't have 200 uh, people in the office. Uh, we don't have uh, such large budgets. Uh, but we see what uh, can be done in this industry. So only the sky's, uh, the, sky's the limit. And uh, I mean, we are growing and we hope that we'll do some big steps in the next years. Yes, we're living in a time where um, memory leaks are rarely detected because people have 16 gigabytes on their computers. <laughs> like, well, we detect ours, so... <laughs> you just go, well, eventually you do. Like, Why is it slowing down? Oh, wait. Yeah. Where yeah. is it? Where is it? Where's we it? have them too in Hypernova, I admit. <laughs> I mean, very small ones, but we yeah. know that they are there and yeah. we are trying to get them. Yeah, it's just very, it's extraordinary. We have these vast resources where... Back in you know twenty thirty years ago, the concept of memory leak is beyond anyone's idea. Like what? We have no memory. What do you mean it's <laughs> leaking? You know, like, so whereas now it's you have so many resources available to you, it's difficult to find them. Yeah, it's it's difficult to find them, but uh, we all, we have to be careful anyway mm. because I mean uh, we try to to optimize every game we do uh, for people. So. We don't expect that everyone playing games has a 1080 GPU, uh, NVIDIA, and uh, an i7 8-core uh, processor. Mm. So we, we tend to optimize every game we do. 
yes. uh, in a way that uh, we consume as less as, uh, uh, as possible. I mean, mm. uh, memory-wise, uh, CPU-wise, GPU-wise, and so on. Yes, and many people do play games on laptops now, and uh, they're, they're not nearly as powerful. Some yeah, are, but they're that's not really laptops. A, that's actually a big problem. Uh, <laughs> I mean, laptops are a big problem also for us because uh, we want uh, everyone to play that game, but we know that people play on laptops with Intel HD graphics. Mm. And what can we do about it? No, exactly. Um, we try to, to do uh, low-quality settings and things like that, but still... Yeah. Anyway, speaking of playing games on computers that shouldn't be, what are you, what are you playing right now? Well, lately, well, beside the old games, I always replay. Mm. Uh, I always uh, have fun to play a bit of uh, League of Legends, for example. So, oh, you're a MOBA player. Yeah, sorry. That's don't apologize for that, please. I, I mean, I mean, don't get me wrong. I play everything I can. Uh, sometimes things are really fun for me, and I enjoy. I, I mean, I, I enjoy playing League of Legends. Uh, sometimes I play just because I have to see something or try something uh, or learn something, for example. Okay. But lately, I play. I don't know. The last thing I tried that was last month or two months ago was also No Man's Sky, for example. I also love that concept and the idea behind the game. For me, uh, No Man's Sky reminds me a lot of a game called Mercenary um, from the late 80s. It was come out on the C64 and the, the Amiga. <laughs> the, yeah, it's that old. But it's very similar, that game. So I, I don't know that game, but uh, yeah. maybe the, the point of the game was also the procedurally generated stuff, or mm, there wasn't so much procedural generation. It was more freeform. The fact that it was a sandbox. Aha, uh-huh, okay, you, a sandbox you, type. You, yeah, you 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 you're on a planet, and the purpose, the idea of the game was to leave <laughs> <laughs> by any means necessary. Like hypernova. <laughs> yeah. So you just get out, just leave. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. look it up. Just look at there were lots of. Sequels. They they did this. They went up to three. I think they went up to mercenary three. We had to leave a solar system in the end and stuff like that. It got really quite complicated, as these things do. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, I think it's a, a remarkable achievement of what um, um, you know. Hello Games have, have, have attempted to make with um, with uh, No yeah. Man's Sky. Yeah. Yes, it. You know, people thought it was one thing. It turned out to be another. I always knew what it was going to be because I, I you know, I've. Uh, it's something I follow closely, and I wasn't surprised when I played it and got it. And yeah. the way they've turned the whole thing around and made it even more, you know, it's it's quite extraordinary. I think personally, its biggest rival is Elite Dangerous, and they're both very similar games, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one's not procedurally generated. <laughs> I mean, uh, for me, No Man's Sky is uh, technically is very very impressive project mm. and and game. Yeah. I, I I also saw what was released. At the end, mm. uh, I mean, based on the hype they created, mm. uh, I see why people were, uh, I mean, uh, disappointed to mm. some point. Uh, but uh, technically speaking, it's a very, very impressive game. I mean, uh, doesn't matter if you like the actual gameplay or you like how it, how the features are um, done or things mm. like. That. For me. I mean, it's impressive, and uh, we also 
tried to learn something out of it. <laughs> also, I mean the the good and the bad things. Yes, yes. So uh, it it's not perfect. Then again, what game is? Well, there's there's threes, but no. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, one other game I played was also Halo Wars, for example, uh, for on uh, Microsoft Xbox, because obviously uh, we did the RTS and we uh, we are trying to port uh, Hypernova on Xbox. All right, I haven't played Halo Wars. To what the correction? I don't own it. I've been meaning to get it. I keep on forgetting. I keep forgetting it's out, but uh, I'm <laughs> well, sure it's very cheap now. But um, yeah, yeah it, I mean the, the first one it's it's old already, so mm. now the second one it's a bit refreshed. Um, but, uh, I on it's on, I mean, from a certain perspective, I like the game because I mean it's a strategy, so I know how to play strategies. But on the other hand, uh, it's for me, it's too fast for a console. So, I mean, I'm not uh, such a huge fan of uh, consoles. I mean, I play only a few games. Mm. Uh, I'm mostly a PC guy. Uh, but I had to try these kind of games because uh, we have to learn how to implement, uh, I mean, the controlling scheme, for example, for RTS games. Because okay. it's, it's very difficult to to play a strategy game on with a controller. There's so. various different methods. I think XCOM games did them did a great job of doing that. Although I prefer playing them on my on my PC. The XCOM oh, of course, games, <laughs> yeah, um, because it's XCOM for pity's sake. Um, yeah, I mean so. it's a, a turn-based strategy. So <laughs> what are you doing? Then again, there's that there's that Rabbids and Mario game on the Switch. That's awesome. I um, played it. I yeah. played it uh, two weeks ago, uh, three weeks ago. It's good, isn't it? And uh, it's it's quite fun, and and uh, I mean it's fun to play, uh, easy to learn. Hmm. So there it is. So it's got it all. Uh, but <laughs> you can't play it in long stretches though, because it can get a bit repetitive. So I actually yeah. find myself nipping in and out of it. It's good for you know a mobile game, really. Well, that's what one thing. For example, you you mentioned that it's repetitive, but I think most of the games are repetitive eventually. I of mean, course they are. the of story are. changes, you go through a story or something like that. But, but for example, when you start playing Call of Duty, you shoot. And that's <laughs> what you do. I know. There is a, I mean, yeah, you could argue that. Of course, every video game ultimately is repetitive. Yeah. With yeah. the possible exception of threes. Sorry. Um, <laughs> 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 but but um, sorry, it's my my, not my joke. Um, but uh, what I found is that the levels and just it, it's it's really in your face how repetitive it is. Some games yeah, are not that, as cool, obvious. Yeah. So, I so mean, anyway. I, I played for maybe a few hours. Uh, okay. I, I'm I'm talking uh, about uh, um, I'm Mario plus Rabbit's Kingdom yes. Battle. Yes, exactly. I'm talking yes. about that. So I played for just a few hours, and it actually I saw it that. I said, okay, that's it. So, or there will be something new, or there's something that I still don't know, or something. It like does that. expand a little bit as you go on. You get more weapons, and some of your abilities improve. But ultimately, that's pretty much it. And you just that's get, it. Yeah. yeah, you just get more and more challenging levels, and you have to do things at a certain time, and it gets stuff tougher and tougher and tougher. It really does. But other than that. It's a little bit repetitive, so I tend not to play it for long stretches for that reason, for for fear of spoiling it against myself. <laughs> so, uh, uh, right. well, but 
it's fun to play. It is. So, so and yeah, and also we we talked about Nintendo now, PC mm. consoles, and I also I play a lot also mobile games, for example. Okay. Because okay. we are not a mobile developer, but uh, I'm interested in that market, and I always try try new things and uh, trending things uh, to see what's going but still when before i go to sleep i still run a few games of candy crush saga for example <laughs> one of my favorite mobile games <laughs> candy except threes is um is a game called crashlands have you heard of that i know but yeah, you should try that it's amazing. It's there are too many games out there. I know, I know. I'm sorry, but it's, it's just crazy. it's on a PC as well. But it's amazing. It's so <laughs> so deep. It defies every mobile game trope you can think of. It's like it shouldn't be one, but it is. It's, it's <laughs> mobile. Mobile. Yeah. It's initially came out on mobile, but eventually found itself on the PC. But it's on. I've got it on my iPad, and it's just glorious. It's an amazing game. I actually streamed it a couple of weeks ago. It was so good, so good. Um, so yeah, it's possible to stream mobile games. But, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, that's enough of that. Let's, we're, we're done with the first half now, everyone. Okay. We're now moving on to the second half of the show, the, the meat of the show, if you will, where we okay. delve deep into Hypernova Escape from Hedia. First question to you, Simon. It isn't really a question, it's a request. Could you tell us, what is Hypernova Escape from Hedia? Well, technically it's pretty simple. Hypernova is an RTS game mixed with some tower defense-like gameplay elements. So it's a classic, classic RTS games when you, where you build... Uh, build your colony you mine for resources uh, you defend yourself from the enemy uh, uh, in this case is the actual environment in which you play the game and uh, all of that mixed with a kind of tower defense uh, gameplay it's not a tower defense defense game but we cannot uh, uh, say that it's uh, a classic RTS real-time strategy uh, so that's basically what the game is and uh, you you engage in a role of a sentient leader this is an alien race and your job is to save them from certain oblivion uh, because their uh, their planetary system is in danger as it's huge uh, I mean star Nidira that it's bigger than our sun is becoming increasingly unstable and uh, uh, when they realize that, uh, the Sintians, uh, 
uh, they knew that it's only a matter of time before this ap- ap- uh, apocalyptic hypernova explosion destroys their entire entire home planet uh, called Hadia. And uh, so they, uh, the Synthians devised a plan to escape, uh, this, to escape their world and uh, rebuild their civilization elsewhere. So the only uh, so their salvation uh, lies uh, in an interstellar teleportation device uh, that they have to build in order to uh, uh, to save their culture from extinction. Yes, no generation sleeper ships for this one. No, they're going to. Uh, <laughs> yes, um, th- this is all about sort of building a, an extraordinary device that needs a very unique set of resources, which they no longer have because they've mined everything from their own yeah, world. So yeah. they have to go to this moon, which is yeah. filled with death and destruction to the point where the, the atmosphere itself is poisonous, uh, and uh, they have to fend off not only the atmosphere but also the creatures that live on it. Yeah, yeah. Actually, uh, that's why we moved the gameplay from their home planet because their home planet is obviously their home planet, so they live there in harmony and peace and mm. everything else. Uh, but they need something that they cannot find anymore on on their home planet. Or let's say it's uh, the the special resources they need are in such a small quantities that they had to go and explore the uh, the space. Yeah, uh, and to be they, clear, it is not unobtainium. No, no, <laughs> no. It's, it's not. one of them is VDTP, a very important, very difficult to pronounce. Yes. <laughs> so that's one of them. It's not from. Uh, <laughs> no, from no, it's not. Um, Avatar. Uh, <laughs> oh God. Anyway, um, so that's um, that's the premise of this game. You're absolutely right. We're going to delve deeper now. This is my first technical question to you because. Um, I think uh, I think uh, there's a lot more to it than you're, you're revealing, but let's delve deep. While Hypernova Escape, well, I'm going to call it Hypernova, um, yeah. has a similar interface to an RTS. In fact, you know it, it, that's how the the basic sort of layout is. You know, you have icons, you have buildings, buildings that build certain units that can build other yeah. buildings yeah. that can in turn build other buildings. Um, that's I don't believe that's the core game. I believe the core game is um, base building. Yes, that's true. Yeah, but not yeah. for military conquest. It's for population growth. So you reach a certain level of population, and also to reach yeah. a certain level of technology to allow you to build the big transmitter device. That's true. Yeah, um, but there's also, you know, you fending off the beasts, and you create. These, you know, this, 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 this idea of uh, tower defense. How do you believe Hypernova communicates this to the player? Because from the outset, I deliberately didn't read any background information because I had the <laughs> game in front of me. So I thought, well, rather than me doing some research, I'm just going to experience it as a new player, someone fresh and just experience it myself. So, how do you think the game unfolds to the player? Like, because it came very quickly to me realizing, mm-hmm. uh, wait. This is not what I think it is. Yeah. <laughs> well, we also noticed that. Uh, but uh, so when we designed the game, we we didn't uh, want to create something new that nobody understands and that uh, nobody uh, uh, that is uh, hard to learn and um, to get know to the features. So basically, 
it is based on a classic real-time strategy um, gameplay. And uh, that's why we also made this interface that looks like it is a real strategy game. So uh, you, uh, when you see the, the main screen, you see, oh, you see the minimap, you see uh, there are some resources, some uh, windows uh, with uh, messages, warnings, and things like that. Uh, but uh, eventually you can realize that it's not a conflict with two uh, military sites. Uh, you don't have to fight uh, another opponent uh, to uh, prevail, uh, I mean, over a planet or uh, somewhere else. Uh, but it's actually a survival game. So you have to survive. That, that's the main, main goal of the game. And uh, if you do it, you successfully completed your mission. Uh, the fighting part of the game is in there because uh, there are some forces that are opposing uh, um, to you that uh, try to stop uh, what you're doing, but not because they are hostile. I mean, they're um, your enemy, but because you are invading their, uh, their home planet, uh, their environment, and they're just trying to protect themselves. That's it. So... Uh, there is a story behind this game and uh, uh, I mean the player has to discover this story through the game uh, no yeah. matter if the user interface looks like a classic RTS game so I mean looks are very deceiving that's what I was trying to get at it was you know you think oh okay I've got a base unit and I build all the things and <laughs> and uh, I start building huts and building energy oh okay I've got this these are, these are the four resources okay I've got that this is the power levels okay it's fine I've got wait <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait where's the other base that I've got to attack well, there isn't one there's just these no, things that there isn't I mean, yeah. I mean there, there are bases because uh, through the game yeah. you you unlock these let's say layers mm. these uh, uh, these gathering points of yeah. these creatures that act like sort of spawning points uh, f uh, for your enemy. Mm -hmm. So you, you learn that there are certain points on this uh, moon that are dangerous and you have to protect against them. So uh, you don't have the other base, but you have many other bases and uh, you have to learn how they behave and how you defend yourself from them. Uh, this is not uh, Hypernova is not a simple game so uh, uh, it's not a simple casual game it drives you to use your brain and you have to think about what you're doing uh, think about your next move uh, think about the consequences of uh, something you did or uh, what will be if you do something that is uh, provided for you for example when you research a technology in the classic real-time strategy uh, research tree. Uh, you unlock new features, new options on how to play the game. So uh, we wrote that it's an uh, open world or sandbox game. And to some extent it is. So uh, we gave to the player a sandbox and a lot of features and options on how to play it. Uh, you have your goals. And it's up to you, up to the player, on how to reach those goals. And I saw many, many, many different tactics 
uh, strategies on how to achieve those goals. Uh, and uh, the game also adapts to the gameplay style of our specific players. Uh, and uh, we try to, uh, to make it, let's say, hard for everyone, for beginners and for experts. And intermediates. Well, <laughs> <laughs> and everything in between, basically. Yeah. I, I mean, we have easy, medium, hard, and yep. legendary levels, but the game itself is—it's not so simple, even on easy. No, I just went for normal because I'm one of those people who think normal is the default level of game that the player, that the developer—that's correct. Want you Our to normal play. is yeah. what we wanted to give you. Yeah, so normal. That's what I do. So. Yeah. Um, so, I found. One of the most satisfying things to do, whether it's right or wrong, because there's a greater story that we don't want to spoil. <laughs> but I found setting up optimum kill zones while growing a colony on a hostile moon requires players to spin a lot of plates, I've found. Um, what measures do you think you've taken during the game's design to prevent players from becoming overwhelmed? Uh, I mean, overwhelmed by the, the enemy? Not so much of an enemy, by the game itself, because there's so many different things you can do at any given time. Well, this, this is interest. This is an interesting. For example, we tried when we designed the game. We try. Uh, we said we need uh, features. Uh, we need something that uh, the player will be engaged in, and uh, it should always be something to do in the game. And uh, that uh, when we designed features, we. Uh, Probably you noticed also uh, when the game progress, uh, certain things unlock step by step. Mm -hmm. So at the beginning you have very just a few things to do. So you you have to uh, get uh, to know the user interface. Uh, you uh, have to learn how to build stuff. Uh, you get your first turret. Uh, your I don't know, uh, your research center, and you start to explore. So at the beginning, it's, let's say, it's a bit quiet. Uh, uh, not many things going on. You get only few uh, few creatures coming at you, and those mothership drones take care of them uh, pretty, pretty quickly. Uh, but uh, as the game goes on, uh, new stuff gets unlocked. And, uh, uh, I mean... We want the player to be engaged in many different things, uh, but it it also depends on how do you play it. So uh, the game has these uh, two cycles, war and peacetime. And uh, we designed the game uh, to be very busy during the war cycles and uh, to have some calm moments to think and to do things during the peacetime. Uh, Yes, I so, noticed that. There's little like Marker saying, just in like in, in many other um, tower defense games, where there's little on the top left hand corner, there's a little alert saying, these yeah. are coming, these things are coming, not quite yet though, so you've got time to build up and prepare. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a, I mean, there's a lot going on, but you're right, you do gently ease the player into things, otherwise, it is quite overwhelming. 
but if you're unless you're familiar with the game's mechanics and its experience and how you do things and what how what you're supposed to be doing um then you're fine but it's just i find yeah. that you you it must have been quite uh, it must be quite frustrating as the, the creator of things like i want to show them everything but you can't <laughs> no you can't you can't because but all, also uh uh i mean why is the game uh, a little bit uh, more difficult than it maybe could be? Because once you learn the mechanics, once you learn the features, you can play much, much faster and better. Mm. Then the game becomes easier, actually. Yes. But, but you have to study the game. You have to study the EI uh, behavior, uh, how your enemy do things, uh, does things. And uh, how can you improve your gameplay by using specific features we gave uh, we gave you at your disposal? Yep, yep, yep. That's the the best best game is when you you find the surface, you understand how the, all the parts move, and then you start moving them in an optimum manner, and then you get better and better at it. Um, and the Hypernova really excels at this. Um, I'm going to ask you about the presentation now because we did talk a little bit about this earlier on, but the okay. presentation uh, generally is exceptional of Hypernova. It's jaw-droppingly amazing. It's so crisp. There are no jagged edges or no rough edges at all. At least mm-hmm. I can't find any. It's amazing. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's so crisp, so well put together. There's nothing flailing around in the edges. It's just beautifully set out. And... I'm just wondering, though, was this attention paid? You know, the, you clearly paid a lot of attention to, to the presentation of Hypernova. Yeah, yeah. Um, was this driven by function? Because there's a lot of moving parts to Hypernova. So, in order to make sure that the player understands what's going on, mm-hmm. that presentation must be really as you've done it. Am I right in thinking this? Well, uh, if we start at the beginning, so we put a lot of effort in the visual design of the game. Uh, so the first thing you probably notice is it's different. So it's different than any other strategy games. Uh, it has its unique style. And uh, so we started from there. Uh, then when we designed buildings and their features, the environment and all these things, we kept always that in mind, that it's unique. This is an alien planet. We can use our imagination to do anything. So it's not a real world. We can do anything, basically. Uh, but we were also thinking about functional design. So you can see a lot of things in the game that uh, are actual visual feedback of things going on into the game. For example, the texture room, the research uh, building, uh, have a, you know, an animated mist uh, circling around when the research is in progress. Just an example of this thing. Uh, also, you can see, for example, if you deplete a resource deposit, you see that the, the, the color is gone, so the deposit is very dark, so you know that it's depleted just by looking at it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to click on the mine and read the number. Yeah. You see, okay, it's it's coming. Uh, um, uh, I mean, it's uh, it's just uh, before um, depletion, so you can uh, visually inspect the scene and uh, 
look at different uh, items and see their status and uh, what they're doing. Uh, like, for example, the printer. Uh, uh, this game, uh, uh, your mothership is actually a big, giant 3D printer. Yes, so so, I was, I was going to mention that later, but yes. Everything yeah. is 3D printed. It's the ultimate 3D printer. It's brilliant. To, to, be, to be honest, this idea came up two years ago, so I don't know where it came from, but <laughs> the, the idea behind this is, yes, this is a printer and the Cynthians print buildings, so like with a giant 3D printer from the raw materials they find around, and uh, uh, this is a cool way to show that the building is doing something and how, how f- uh, far is the progress, and when the uh, printing is finished the building closes and you see the building hovering in the air ready for you to use it yeah it's so great it's um, that's also another example a big yellow pool of goop that it comes out of the, the yeah uh, it's a glowing yellow pool of goop yeah um, but yes it's um it's yeah really impressive and uh i remember when i first got the ability to build another builder another printer printer and, yeah. yeah that makes things a lot easier because you can reposition yourself or create a sub base if you will to to expand yeah, yeah, yeah. from but provided you're within the power limits of course so yeah. last question then um I know all good things come to an end, but we have to finish sometime. Um, Unfortunately. How did you come up with the idea of limiting area use via purifiers? So, for the benefit of the audience, um, <laughs> basically the whole landscape is covered by this orange, not orange, purple, purple atmosphere. Yeah. Okay, It's extremely toxic, very toxic. And the players required to clear this by using purifiers these are buildings stations that require power (laughs) and you know need to be you know maintained and they can be attacked by in fact they're very often attacked by creatures um because they're the ones that are causing you know they're getting rid of the atmosphere that these creatures use to breathe and they're you know they don't want that Um, exactly so tell us because i think this is a very crucial part of the game and i could have asked many other points but this one this one. I want you to ask, how did you come up with this? Why? <laughs> well, well, uh, the Cynthians are on an alien moon. And uh, technically, the atmosphere is toxic or maybe even non-existent. Uh, and uh, from uh, that uh, thought come, uh, come the idea that we should do something about the atmosphere uh, on this moon. And uh, one idea was to uh, terraform the the moon, actually. And these purifiers are tools uh, that the player uh, must use in order to, uh, we say, clear the fog or uh, uh, clear this corrosive atmosphere, but actually is terraforming the atmosphere to make it breathable for the Cynthians and uh, to avoid this... A fog corrosion that destroys buildings and things like that. So it's kind of fog of war, but it's not. Uh, it's not quite fog of war because fog of war dissipates just by looking at things. If you have yeah, a unit that's yeah. put there, the fog goes. This isn't that. This is something very different. You're 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 creating an isolated. You're forcing the player to think in. They could only act in these spaces that they have control that they've terraformed. Yeah. And what I'd often find myself is I'd go and terraform this place just to get the resources. 
<laughs> exactly. And uh, so you 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 need to put an effort. Uh, also, uh, if you want to just collect resources, you yeah. have to plan how to get there. Yes. Uh, so to make this chain uh, of relays, yes. uh, we, we didn't talk about them, but you no. also have to expand the energy source from the mothership. Uh, yes. uh, I think they're linked. I, I think you know the whole chain. You have to chain like like a pylons, electricity pylons. You yeah. Have to chain your energy across very carefully, and then you have to chain it. And then once you've chained it, you got the, they have these pylons have a certain sort of radius of yeah. uh, influence that they can power things and then you have your purifiers that also need powering then you need the drills which also need power so yeah. it's got that link between you can only go certain places provided you purify it but you can't purify it until you've got power so <laughs> exactly and then you've only got a limited amount of power that you can distribute because eventually um you t- you start drawing too much power from 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 the whole system and it starts to break down uh, it's just uh, it's just amazing how how the level of depth you've gone to and how so many moving parts to it you, you just delve deeper and deeper and deeper into it it's quite amazing yeah, what you've yeah, built yeah. i mean it it's quite complicated for the for the new players for beginners but once you get to know the mechanics i think it's clear enough uh, so you can easily understand what's the logic behind it yeah yeah because it's the game itself it's not so complicated it isn't we're making it so that coming across sorry uh, audience but maybe coming across is that it is complicated it isn't uh, you just there's a very very shallow learning curve i hate that phrase but you know what i mean it's very shallow yeah, yeah. and then it gently eases you into what's going on and eventually you will be balancing all these things um, because you, you've been trained in it. The game has trained you to, in order to care about all this stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, exactly. But also you, sa- you said that you, uh, you have problems to protect those purifiers mm. against the enemy. Uh, this is also because when you grow and you, you extend your colony, your base, uh, actually those purifier and relays are the most exposed structures you have because you go out with them. That's right. And they're the that, frontier. That, that's why uh, they're a preferred target for the uh, for the creatures of this moon. But uh, on the other hand, if you protect them and if you build structures around them, uh, you will have less problems. For example, uh, by protecting them, because uh, when the enemy chooses a structure, uh, they have a certain. Um, priority list uh, they work with uh, we made of course uh, and you can learn about which structures are most important for them and for you so right. you can learn about the the strategy to use and what and when to protect certain things because hmm. yeah you can repair them but only provided you've got certain technologies that allow you to, to repair yeah, of them course. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, well, there we are. We're at the end. Thank you very much, Simon. You've been a fantastic guest. Um, Hypernova is out on Windows PC and Mac. Well, it will be soon, won't it? Sorry? It's out on Windows and PC and Mac, isn't it? Uh, it's PC and Mac, and yeah. soon will be also on Linux. Excellent. And when is it out? I mean, it's sort of early access at the moment, isn't it, I think? No, no, it's out. Uh, yeah. It was uh, released on 6th of September. There you go. I'll take it all back. Oh, so, yes. yes. So, 
it's out. You can go and grab it on on Steam and other out- outlets um, that are available. Um, and uh, yeah, congratulations on completing that. And again, thank you very very much for being on the show. You've been a thank fantastic you. guest. Thank you. And so ends another episode of the Sausage Factory. Do leave us an iTunes review, and you can also don't forget listen to us on Stitcher.com. So just go to Stitcher.com, and you can stream the show from there you just look up the sausage factory and you can find us that'd be great you can follow me on twitter at chris o'regan no apostrophes and uh, if you want to email me any feedback on the show or actually you're a developer you listen to this show and want your game featured on it please do email me at chris at spong.com also don't forget to check out the computer game show which is the Stablemate podcast, should we say, of Spong.com. Bye!